Hello, I'm Sarah. And I'm Joanna. And we are your therapists next door. Join us as we demystify therapy and de-stigmatize mental health. Every episode, we interview a healthcare professional. It's sometimes serious, sometimes sad, most times ridiculous. Special thanks as usual to one of our top contributing patrons today, Chris. Thank you as always for your support. Therapist Next Door podcast is 100% listener funded and convinced that we will never work with advertisers. We don't believe that it is our business or our job to tell you what kind of mattress to buy or encourage you to give money to an exploitative, overworking therapy Mm. service. As we believe that labor should be paid, we ask the listeners who are able to contribute, contribute what they can, so that we can continue to be a platform to clinicians who further destigmatize mental health and demystify therapy. Every episode, we thank one of our top contributing patrons. Thank you again, Chris. Learn more about perks and ways to support Joanna and Sarah at patreon.com slash tndpodcast. That's patreon.com slash tndpodcast. For easy access, visit our Instagram at tndpod and find the link in our bio. Now, let's get on to our show. This week, we welcome Chris McDonald, who works as a therapist, podcaster, and author. Welcome, everyone, to Therapist Next Door, the podcast that shows you the human side of your friendly neighborhood healthcare worker. We do this by interviewing someone in a helping profession, asking questions you want the answers to, and answering questions you didn't know you had. I'm Joanna, a board-certified music therapist and a licensed professional counselor in the state of Pennsylvania. I'm a white, straight, cisgendered female, and my pronouns are she, they. And uh, on my little list of opening things to say, I just have the word Encanto, which probably means to express my love for the movie Encanto, uh, because I love that movie. So there it is. It's a really good movie. I haven't seen the whole thing. You, oh, yeah. So when it was on... A person was like talking to me about the movie and kept talking to me, and I'm I can't I can't. As we talked about sensory processing, wise, <laughs> I like was getting a little like irritated. I was like, if you want to have the movie on full volume, like please um, just don't yeah. like talk to me or just turn it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And you'd think that like because I have expressed that I don't like musicals, that like you know, and I I watched the like live at the Hollywood Bowl and Conto, and I love that. I was like. <gasps> You know, just like I'm one of those kids in the like audience going Mirabelle, Mirabelle, Mirabelle. Like it was honestly that it was really good. And I tried to watch Hamilton again after that. I was like, maybe something's changing me. No, still can't even get 20 minutes uh, into Hamilton. Hamilton also just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I know that for a decade. I think it's because it I, wasn't I, streaming. I know that. Uh, because now, now Hamilton's streaming and people are just like, oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, but like I was saying, I do feel like for a decade we were just like you know enamored with it, and now I don't know, I don't know, no, no, no. But Encanto, mm-hmm. also written by Lin Manuel Miranda, which is why I like was like maybe I'll be yeah. okay with Hamilton. No, oh my god, I love it so much. I was like going like rewinding to watch like the same musical numbers over and over again which I've never done before I was like giving myself permission to do that too and it was really nice I was like you know what I need to like feel that song again and it was surface pressure because what a song for helpers and healers Mm -hmm. as well anyway I should just watch it on my own you should let go of the weird negative memory of please being able to watch it I mean if you want to come watch it with me I will be silent (laughs) because I I love believe you truly and I don't want to 
I don't want to look over the fact that like I was absolutely being irritated and had my own stuff being activated while watching a movie about generational drama. Anyway, <laughs> I'm Sarah. Hi. <laughs> from Pennsylvania. Hi. I'm a trans man from South Jersey. I am a I'm a, a cis white woman and my pronouns are she, her. And I have the first sunburn of the season on my face. Wow. Yes, it's very cool. I had a lot of, I was not very kind to myself this morning when I realized I have a nice, big, beautiful sunglass frame around my eyes. But, you know, I was at a really amazing anti-war rally in D.C. yesterday. I just forgot to put sunblock on. I was in the drum line. Whoa, that's awesome. In my party. Yeah. And we, you know, we, the march started in Lafayette Park. We, we marched from the White House, which is really actually just like kind of a small building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They make it look like it's much bigger um, on the news and on movies. And then we went just like around the neighborhood and it was an incredible time. And I got a little bit of sunburn on my face and on my palm. No, I'm sorry. On the tops of my hands, whatever. Wow. Anyway, I'll wear sunblock from now on, but what I'm fun. also feeling empowered. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it was there's a, cool. there's like a, a female empowered drumline around in Philly and I like kind of want to find it. And uh... I spoke very briefly yesterday with someone about starting like a labor choir in my county, which I would really like to do. <laughs> like I like looking at how to do that, but I'd love having, you know, access to music again with a, a not, not under the frames that I've experienced it before and also still just be able to do it and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, because I enjoyed playing drums yesterday and I enjoyed singing along with the chants. And I was like, I, you know, I found so much joy in my life in this expression that has been just really like, you know, ruined. Yeah, <laughs> I just realized how much like that. I haven't dealt with like, like patriarchal themes and like my musical education. Though. Yeah, and I was, you know, for the first hour of out the of the rally yesterday before the march. I was the only like female bodied femme person in our group and then a couple others joined. So I was happy, but it was nice to be around folks that are like male bodied and masculine. And they were just like listening to me and like, you know, not, not, they were just being like peers, being comrades. It was really, it was, it was very cool. (laughs) I know. I loved it. Yeah. yeah, Let's all be in a drum line. Let's all be in a drum line. Yeah. Maybe our lips. We'll have a little bit of sunburn. Yeah. Sunburn on the part where our hair is parted, but it's fine. Yeah. That's a that's a painful sunburn there. There's no way to like, what are you gonna do? Gob stuff up on there? No, I won't. Wear a hat, I guess. Is yeah, gob stuff. Yeah, good call. Yeah. What am I gonna wear? What am I gonna wear? A straight back ponytail? What am I? No. (laughs) That's a reference. That's not a reference. That's an experience only some of us get. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what's going on in this corner. Cool. How is speaking of like being in that corner? Is it dusty? Do the floors need to be clean? This is my cool transition to this. It's, it's perfect. I think the floors are quite fine. I don't think I have any housekeeping to offer as usual. I also don't remember. So what about you? <laughs> All our floors are clean. That's cool. Everything Good to know. And uh, stay tuned after break for our uh, Divinza history. And now it's time for our lesson. The lesson is compiled facts describing history, Joanna, and or oh. current events. Whoa. Good and bad and everything in between because there's no binary in the universe. In order to give context for the field our guest works in. 
Joanna, we have one source for today. Oh, yeah. It is an article entitled A Brief History of Yoga via artofliving.org. No content warnings for today. All right, Joanna, so we're going to talk about the history of yoga, which exactly. is vast and we fit into two pages. Yes. So, And I do want to just mention at the beginning of this, I, you know, while I have studied yoga and Sanskrit, I am not a natural Sanskrit speaker. So I'll do my best and I will be as respectful as possible while pron pronouncing these names. Me too. All right, so Joanna, let's talk about let's talk about Hinduism. It is the third largest religion in the world, and it is thousands of years older than the two religions that are more present than it, which we know as Islam and we know as Christianity. The most ancient scriptures of the Hindu religion are the ancient Vedas. From Indian philosophy, there are four Vedas developed by yoga gurus: the Rig Veda, the Samveda, the Yaru Veda, and the Atharva Veda. These are followed by four Upvedas or Subvedas. Further down the line are six Upkandas or components, which are then further classified into six subcomponents. Mm -hmm. So while this while this is describing a lot, we're looking at something that is vast, and we're looking at something that is complex and complicated and very very old. And for folks that you know, whatever religion or non-religion you subscribe to, keeping in mind that Abrahamic religions have been around for at most, no, I'm sorry, at about, around median at 2,000 years. We're talking about a religion that has been around for over 5,000 years. The word yoga comes from the Sanskrit word yug, which means union of the individual yoga practitioners and universal consciousness. It also means to yoke. So we're talking about connection. Like when we talk about yoking animals to pull a cart, we're talking about connecting them for a purpose. The Rig Veda is one of the oldest and most sacred books in human history, having been written eight to 10,000 years ago. A long time ago. Eight to 10,000 years ago. Classical yoga is a part of this Vedic literature and was propounded by Maharishi Patanjali nearly 5,000 years ago. In Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, he created eight limbs of a yoga practice. These eight limbs include yama, which we refer to as social ethics, niyama, which are personal ethics, asana, which is the actual postures and how we know yoga in the West, pranayama, which is life force, also known as breath, pratyahara, which is the tuning, turning the senses inward, and dharana, which is a one-pointed focus, dhyana, which is meditation, and samhati, which is merging with the self. Classical yoga encompasses different schools of philosophy. For example, Gyan yoga, Bhatki yoga, Karma yoga, and Hatha yoga, Raj yoga, Mantra yoga, Shiva yoga, Nad yoga, Laya yoga, and many more. Of these, the art of asana is part of the Hatha yoga tradition. So when we say, Joanna, that asana is part of only one piece of yoga, yeah. We are saying that as we know yoga in the West with our movement and our breath is only a small, small part of what yoga actually is. The Bhagavad Gita says in his Yoga Sutra, Yoga Karishu Karashalam, or yoga is skill in action and expression. So Hatha Yoga, as taught in modern yoga, promotes physical as well as mental well-being through the medium of asanas, which again are those postures. The different types of yoga are like spokes in a wheel and are equally important for overall development of an individual. As you were saying, Sarah, you know, we, we really only practice the two in Western yoga. Huge scare quotes there. Uh, well, Hatha yoga as taught in schools such as Iyengar 
endows the yogi with physical fitness, other types of the practice empower them with wisdom, devotion, etc. This holistic approach towards one's development was highly respected in the Vedic period as well as in the Middle Ages, but was confined only to the royal and scholarly caste. It was only taught to students after passing a rigorous test. However, the past few decades have seen modern yoga going through a complete transformation. From being frowned upon to being hailed as one of the best natural therapies out there, yoga practice has come a long way. The barriers of caste, creed, and social status have been uprooted somewhat from the yoga history to bring it to every home. The benefits of yoga therapy have not gone unnoticed in the international community, and the United Nations has passed a resolution to celebrate June 21st as the International Yoga Day. Yoga practice isn't just exercise. It's how skillfully we communicate and act in any given situation. So here, yoga is described more as a mind skill. In this sutra from Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says, Samatavan Yoga Uchyate. Equanimity in the mind is a sign of yoga. The ability to remain centered in adverse situations is yoga. Whatever brings us back to our nature, which is harmony and joy, is yoga. While physical practice of postures make the body healthy, pranayama and meditation take the mind deep within to the soul's ancient roots. Uniting diverse aspects of life and of existence is yoga. Hell yeah, yoga. Yeah, I said somewhat because there is kind of an elitist spin on yoga, I feel like, especially in this country. Yes, when we think of yoga, we do think of a, a certain bodied skin tone, mm-hmm. hair color, yeah, yeah, hair color type of person, and they live in a certain kind of place and they make a certain income. Yeah. Yes. And their bodies definitely look a certain way. But all bodies here, are yoga bodies. All bodies are yoga bodies. And all bodies are are great. Truly. Yeah, well, <laughs> echoing cool. a children's book I bought for my son, <laughs> and I'll you know what I'll I'll link that in the uh, the show notes as well. What's the title? I think it's called All Bodies Are Wonderful. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> so I will. I may have that wrong, but I really like it. I bought it at at a at a um conference that we recently went to because I want to have more representation of different bodies uh, in my son's life. So anyway. Before I get onto my soapbox and drive us away to the sunset, um, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to our interview today. I'm super excited, uh, so stay tuned as we Bye. talk to Chris. Bye. Chris McDonald is a holistic licensed therapist and owns a group online practice, Path to Hope Counseling. She's a 200-hour RYT, is certified in brain spotting, and offers gentle yoga to clients in session, workshops, and private yoga sessions. She specializes in the treatment of anxiety, depression, trauma, and grief in young adults. Chris also offers therapy for therapists and is the host of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. Her favorite holistic daily routines include yoga and meditation. Welcome, Chris. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. Uh, can you tell us just like a little bit about what you do? It sounds like you do so many amazing things. 
Yeah. So lots of different things that I'm managing with my practice and my podcast, which has been out for almost two years now. I can't believe it. So I released it in April, I know, 2021. And right now I'm working on some um, additional things for my podcast. So I released a book called Self-Care for the Counselor in 2017. And my listeners really wanted to have something additional with that. So I'm creating a workbook right now. So I'm pretty excited about that. So to go along with the book, and that's something I promote a lot is self-care. And I think it's just so essential and can make such a difference in our mental health. That's amazing, Chris. For the layperson listening, can you speak a little bit about what a holistic approach is versus what sure. maybe we typically experience in healthcare? And most people think of more traditional therapy as talk therapy, like we go to see a therapist and we sit and chat, which is the more, I hate to say normal, but more of what people consider, right? Or maybe Freud, if they really go back old school to think of someone laying on the couch and sitting there for therapy as the therapist is behind them. But holistic is a little bit of a different kind of approach. So it incorporates the whole person, the whole body, body, mind, and spirit. And people are on different uh, continuum of this. So some people, they just look at the whole person and they don't add holistic modalities. Other therapists use different holistic modalities. Like I use trauma-informed yoga, mindfulness, meditation, breathwork, brain spotting. So lots of different things. Some people use energy healing, essential oil. So there's a whole bunch of different possibilities with holistic therapy. And for me, it starts with the intake. So I have a holistic intake that I use to really dig deep into figuring out what is going on with this person from a holistic lens. And just to give you an example, I've had people too that come to me for depression, but I really encourage them to talk to their primary primary care doctor too, because with depression, sometimes it's a physical cause. So sometimes it's a little investigation with holistic therapy to find out you know, what else is going on besides maybe negative thoughts or something else in the brain that maybe it could be a thyroid issue. I've had that with a couple clients. It turns out that they have a thyroid issue. So if they haven't had a physical in a while, that's something I, I really encourage them to think about getting. And it, it's to me, it's incorporating traditional and holistic things. So it's not like we're ruling out that, no, you should never go on medication or talk to a doctor. So holistic is every part. So sometimes using the doctor as we need to, and I'll connect with a doctor as needed or psychiatrist. And some people do need medication. I would never say that, no, you can't use medication. I think that for so many people, it can be helpful. Um, But just thinking about the intake, my process in private practice, I really like to take like three sessions to really dig deep with people and get to know them and take my time and figure out where we're going to go with therapy and, and allowing them to help with creating the treatment plan. And from and part of this, too, is I teach clients how to use some of these holistic modalities consistently to help their overall mental health, for example, like breath work. So how can you use that more regularly to keep yourself more grounded and centered? Or if they're interested in yoga, how can we create a daily consistent practice to help you be more regulated? So that that's some of the parts of it. Another part too that other therapists may not do is I'll refer out. So some people, if they feel like they maybe they'd benefit from Reiki. So I have a lot of connections with the holistic community where I live. So I'll refer them to a Reiki specialist or maybe a shaman. And so it's a little bit different than traditional therapy that way. Can you speak to 
why breath work would be important and why it is so easily neglected in yes. our day-to-day. Oh, I can't imagine therapy without breath work now that I've done it for so long yeah. because when I started, um, I was a school counselor years ago. So I, you know, did regular short-term therapy. Well, we call it, we can't say therapy in the school system, but counseling. And I found that even then when I worked with kids that we can only go so far with using CBT and talk therapy. Um, so you changing our thoughts, looking at those unhelpful thoughts can, can be helpful, but once I started to introduce breath work, that's kind of how I started with holistic modalities. Was I was like, wow, so this is really helpful for people. So breath work can really turn on that what's called the parasympathetic nervous system to calm things down and to really help them get more regulated and more focused in therapy too. Because the problem is some people come to therapy and they might be really anxious and having a hard time just sitting there for talk therapy can be very difficult. So when we get into that that fight or flight mode, we're not necessarily ready for talk therapy. The front of our brain, the prefrontal cortex of the front of our brain goes offline. So using breath work can really enhance the therapeutic process, but additional, it's a skill, right? That's really going to help people overall to learn. It's not just coming to therapy. Oh, the therapist, we did breath work. Yay. And that's it. No, we have to figure out how can we make this a lifestyle thing to really help with getting ourselves more regulated. And I teach it as preventative, so not as a Band-Aid approach. As most things in this country, in the U.S., everything is let's wait till bad things happen and then we'll do something Mm -hmm. about it. But with preventative, we practice daily because we never know what's going to come up for us, right? So it's helping us to get into that calmer state. And imagine how that is for you and your body, mentally, physically, spiritually, if you're calmer, right? If you start the day doing some breath work, it's going to help you be less reactive to whatever comes your way. I think that's so essential and and just can make you less reactive for no matter what stressors come up. Yeah, I really appreciate the way that you're describing it because sometimes I feel like I'm just like skills, 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 skills. (laughs) But like, it's also like, it's so that when you are feeling, you know, like, overwhelmed you can use the skills um that too yeah and it's not yeah. to say that if i'm stressed i can't use it because it's not preventing <laughs> yeah no, using it of course when it does come up too is so important like having to practice so that way it becomes yes. it becomes a, a practice. practice yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly and that's what i always come back to it too because of clients i've seen for a while they're like oh my god i've had such a difficult week and i'm so anxious and and what i say is are you doing your breathing they know I'm going to say that too because they know me well enough. So it's always coming back to that. And it's not like you teach it and you forget it. Okay, well, yeah, we did that nice little breath activity. Now we're moving on. And But I think that it's that repetition, repetition, that novelty in the brain. That's why I teach different kinds of breath work too because the brain really reacts well to novelty, new things and new practices, but also individualizing that because not everybody – likes counting the breath like people with OCD that could be really difficult for them so maybe finding a different breath that could work for you I think is so important I love the idea of you having malleability around this because I do think that yes many people have encountered places that have incorrectly labeled themselves as holistic and they are actually like fairly inflexible about the type of body the type of ability the type Mm. of 
uh, background you have to be able to access these practices that are very, 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 very old. Very they old are ancient. They call, you ancient. call that ancient. Yeah. And, and I love that you just said, you're, we're going to learn how to do it in a way that works for your body, that works for your diagnosis, yeah. works for the symptoms you're showing Absolutely. up with. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and I am always aware too, and just notice, and I work all virtual, so I do have to be careful with online. I can't see the whole body, but just checking in with them. How did that land in your body? Let me know how you're feeling. So it's not like they're alone in this and, you know, maybe they're really having a hard time and having trouble breathing. <laughs> and I don't know about, so I really try to just make it a very safe, comfortable, trauma-informed way too. So I, I just want to make sure I preface that too. It's not just like, come on, let's breathe. <laughs> I'm chuckling because before uh, you mentioned offline a few moments ago, Chris, yeah. about like needing to practice that self-compassion. And I think that breath work and that type of self-care without self-compassion is very oh, much gosh. like, okay, breathe, <laughs> go. <laughs> and it's not the Olympics of breathing. That's what my teacher, oh my Christine Weber always says too. There mm -hmm. is no Olympics with yoga or breathing. So oh, it's okay. True. Just, just yeah. taking your time. Right bringing it to yoga there is no olympics in yoga How do you... <laughs> absolutely yeah um i think both say i don't i don't think i'm i'm saying anything out of out of turn but both sarah and i are also certified yoga teachers yay yeah and i'm wondering it's i love it and i'm wondering how you incorporate yoga in a trauma-informed way for therapy because i think that's so essential yeah, and also yeah. like possibly uh, like a scary place for some people. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think we got to rewind for a moment and think about informed consent because it's mm. not for everybody. And I do get some people that like, I'm not doing that yoga thing. Okay. It's all right. Well, let's figure out what, <laughs> what works for you. You know, some people, they just want to do breath work and that's okay. Or maybe they want to do, I have some people that's just traditional therapy. That's okay too. So I'm flexible, whatever works. I think part of being trauma informed is that flexibility piece. We can't fit everybody into a box because then we're not being trauma informed and people need different things at different times. But again, some people I've started with, they don't want to do it, but then they're like, well, Maybe I'll try a little bit <laughs> and just kind of go from there. So so I think seeing what unfolds, and that's how, how I approach therapy, is that unfolding organically, seeing what's coming up for people. Um, but it's really trauma-informed really is tuning into cueing, like saying to people too, looking at the words you're saying. Because you got to be cautious with how you say things and trying to minimize triggers with that, like just as an example, so if, if somebody's standing up and I want them to do a wide-legged fold, I'm not going to say spread your legs because that could be very triggering. Let's take a wide stance with our legs. So figuring out ways to say that that are less triggering, that make it more of a safe and comfortable. Not that it's safe for everybody. Everybody may not feel safe with movement, but just, just trying to make it a little bit more comfortable. And adding that agency piece is so important that they have a choice with all of this. And before doing any, just rewinding again, before doing any yoga, it's always about, well, this, this is something that you can stop at any time that you can, if you want to change the way we're doing this, instead of doing your arm straight up, you can just do cactus or, you know, maybe you only want to do one arm. That's okay. So whatever you want to do is okay. And I do it with them too. So they don't feel weird. Like, oh my God, she's telling me to do these things. She's not doing it. So if I say, put your arm up on the inhale, I'm going to do it too. 
So they don't feel as like, because I have a lot of people that have that social anxiety piece and it's just, they can just feel embarrassed. And if you want to turn your camera off, that's okay too, if, if this feels too weird for you. So looking at whatever it is that's going to make this an easier experience. And I, and especially if they're anxious about it, we'll do a shorter few minute one. And I will tell them too. And, and when we start to say, we're going to do this for about five minutes. And that is also, they know what's coming up. And, you know, if anything hurts, just stop, or you can just let me know whatever works for you. And we can always move on to a different pose or come back to just talking for a while. And we can ease into this, trying to find how to use yoga in an, in a way with ease. And we don't want to force because when we force, we're, we're going to turn them into the more the sympathetic response and that fight or flight and heart raising and just more anxiety. And I don't start on the first session. To me, that's trauma informed too. I take time to kind of build that relationship and just kind of get them more comfortable in the process and get to know me as I get to know them so that they feel like, okay, so maybe I'm ready to try something new. And the way we frame it too, I think is important with trauma informed. So I'm really careful too, to say that this is not fit yoga. So we're not going to sit here and do um, 50 sun salutations and drip sweat and <laughs> move really fast. No. And we may do five minutes. We may do 10 minutes. So it's not like it's going to be an entire yoga class the whole time and trying to develop strength. The whole point of the yoga I do is slow, mindful movement and just taking your time, slowing down, which is part of mindfulness too. Mindfulness practices, getting back into the body, out of out of your head, into your body, and just kind of noticing. So it's that interoceptive piece. So if we're going to do just, let's just say for a lateral, so just doing a side, inhaling, bringing your arm up, and just kind of moving over to the side, feeling that in your side body. And just notice what's there. And then when you put your arm down, just noticing the left side compared to the right side. What is there? What sensations? I check in with emotions. What are you feeling emotionally? How is your mind? Is it busy or is it quieting down? And just kind of getting back to that present moment is is part of that too, that trauma-informed piece. And, and if you notice some things, just taking your mind, just kind of Notice those thoughts or anything else that's coming up and then just bring yourself back to your breath and your body. And that's also a skill too, with trying to get them back into their, th their breath or body. Incredible. And even uh, listening to you and I almost did the motions with you. I know. I was like, sometimes it's hard for me to away. talk without doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd like knock into something and it would echo. I know. Me, but I, I, Chris, I just... As Joanna said, just like echoing this, just gratitude yeah. that you make this space for your patients. And I'm also loving this release of an association yes. of movement with fitness. And you know, over the past That's couple huge. years, over the past couple of years with Joanna spearheading it, we've really been educating ourselves a lot about yeah. anti-diet, mm -hmm. uh, fat liberation, and just general like body bodily love i'm not saying body positivity but bodily love right yeah. and and I'm, I'm hearing that very heavily in this that there is no connection yes. there is just oh, you're, no. you're learning how to move your body in a way that's loving not with an intention of anything for outer appearance this is all this is all inner work nervous system yoga yeah. mm -hmm. or we call it resilience yoga mm -hmm. so building that resilience in the nervous system 
So it is a big reframe and that, and that's hard for people. They, they go to the gym and they take these crazy classes that they're just can't keep up with. And I can't do yoga. That's what I hear a lot. I can't do yoga. I was like, this is a different kind of yoga. Would you be willing to try and see how it feels in your body? Yeah. To that, you know, that's so helpful. Yeah. Because coming from someone who definitely punished themselves via punishes the word. Yeah. (laughs) And like just showing up to a class and like, uh, 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 you know, all of the perfectionism, all of the social anxiety. So I, I just feel like bringing this to your body and like, wouldn't it be great if all of us could just always move with I that know. intention? Like that would be. Yeah. <sighs> and not and it's not about like, oh, I have to have my arm perfectly straight in front for warrior two. Like we don't care. And that's what my teacher was always like doesn't matter how straight their arm is doesn't matter and like and I learned too from a recent class I took with trauma form yoga that you know I would have people okay stand with your feet um under your under your knees and hip width apart and they're like it doesn't matter <laughs> it, doesn't no. matter. it doesn't matter <laughs> so just stand with your feet where they feel comfortable yeah, I, I might be t- talking about yoga too much but like uh, like thinking about where yes. you're too and just like what like the most the biggest part of that pose is like the drissy of just like looking over your arm so wherever that is and like however you can get like Mm. that's the like coming from the bottom up and like i don't know yeah Yeah, it is it's a it's me too it's different it's a different (laughs) way of looking at this too i think that's it is a mind shift and i think that's hard in society too it's like it's yoga the whole yoga has moved until this fitness realm it's just it's very frustrating because it's hard to get people out of that mode too. And I get, I do get people like, we'll do that um, lateral and they'll just like, they try to go like way over. I'm like, no, 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 you don't have to push yourself so hard. Oh. And I always tell people too, as a cue, it's yoga is not about struggle. Oh. You can back out of anything at any time. If you feel pain, please back out. Please listen to your body. Yeah. yeah, Joe, and I love that you mentioned bottom bottom up with drishti as well. I mean, and like focusing treatment on a bottom up approach as well. Yes, um, focusing on sure. what what we are showing up with physically and what we've carried with us over the years instead of top down. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I know. It and it's it's just so powerful because I have, like I said, clients that come to me and they're just they're not ready for talk therapy. And it, we just have, and sometimes it's depression. Again, I know I've talked a lot about anxiety, but, but sometimes it is depression that they're so low that they're just t- even talking slow and moving slow, mm. but let's, let's do some yoga. Let's get some energizing practice in there and just see how you feel after that. Sometimes just starting the session with that can be helpful. Yeah. And for, for those who don't know, Dristi is, is a gaze. So your gaze, but it's also kind of like a it's more than just like the noun of your gaze. It's like your focus. And I, there's like another word that's on the tip of my tongue that I can't find, but it's okay. I'm wondering if I can also make a abrupt turn. Uh, Chris, can you tell us a little bit about brain spotting and how you incorporate that in your work? Sure. Yeah. And I use all of these together, which is a beautiful thing. I think that's why um, I mentioned all the different modalities because I do teach meditation and I use brain spotting. So those who haven't heard, so brain spotting is a way that you can get to deeper layers of the brain. 
um, to especially work through trauma, but you can use it for any kind of problems or issues that you're having. So it's based on the premise that where you look changes how you feel. So let's say that I'm more activated and feeling like my heart racing, tightness in my chest. If I look on my visual field and let's say I look to the right, I might, ooh, I feel a little bit more activation. I feel more tense, but let's say I'm looking to the left. Oh, I feel calmer. I feel more relaxed and grounded. So those are two spots that we use on the visual field, which could be more activation spot. And then we have what's what's called more grounded resource spot. So we use those to help people stay in that, that space into what's called mindful awareness. So let's say we're looking to the right and the person is, is feeling that activation and they give me a SUDS level, which is that um, subjective unit of, was it distress? Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, I forgot what it was. For, like, uh, on a scale one to 10, you know, how activated are you? So if it's something that's not too high, like let's say a five, then we'll stay there looking to the right, staying into that what's called mindful awareness. And what we're doing in that is just allowing whatever wants to come up from the lower parts of the brain to be processed. So sometimes people just feel sensation. They might feel tingling or tension. Some people have visual things they might see. A memory may come up. Other things might come up that are unrelated, which that's how our brains work. We never know what's going to be there. Some people just feel different emotion. So they might suddenly feel sadness or anger. So we never know. That's that's the uncertainty principle in brains. We never know what's going to come up and just accepting and just allowing. So at this moment, they're not using coping skills or trying to reframe thoughts. It's, it's just trying to be present. It's teaching them about that mindfulness too, that we don't have to change where we are. What is there? Being present with it. And, that, and that's hardest, so hard for people to do that at times, especially when they're activated to sit with that discomfort. But I also explained too, that a lot of times with brain spotting that it can be activating for a while. We might oh gosh, I'm just really uncomfortable. And there's things that I do to help resource them, such as finding a place in your body that you feel more grounded and centered. So if they say their legs, they can always go back to there in their mind, just noticing their legs. So taking them out of that activation briefly, but knowing that it goes up and down, just like life, right? Most things are stressful for a period of time, but then things kind of settle, right? And with brain spine, I find it, then it goes up, activation and then it might go down and just letting them know that this is temporary and we can always move to what's called that resource spot which is that calmer spot so they will say to themselves okay so where do i feel that groundedness and let me find an eye position that is associated with that resource calming spot so they'll look across their visual field and i have what's called a pointer that i use um and mine just fell on the floor <laughs> this interview so I don't have it to show you but um so I use that across their their visual field um with a video and we just find that spot whether it's the resource or the activation spot and just be present with that we also use what's called bilateral music and you've probably heard of a lot of people have heard of EMDR which is another way of using your visual field but it's going back and forth so the music goes from right ear to left ear and back and forth, back and forth. So it crosses the brain, crosses that corpus callosum, goes to both sides of the brain and helps with processing. Now I've seen 
people that use the music, they go much deeper. They have more of an impact, I think, from what I've seen. You don't have to use the music, but I found it to be really helpful for people with processing. And like I said, some people don't like the music, which is totally fine, but it is kind of a soothing kind of music. And some people really helps them to stay with it too, because this is not your traditional psychotherapy either because we're not sitting and talking and the ther- as a therapist I'm just sitting there reflecting back what's coming up and a lot of times being silent and that can be hard for clients too because we are very very quiet at that time I love I love the use of bilateral stimulation yeah. I practice EMDR myself EMDR therapy and you know for folks listening when we talk bilateral stimulation we're talking the eyes or having any stimulation yes. crossing your central line. And theoretically, you know, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but theoretically it is posited that the the eye movements that we have during REM sleep help us to process. Oh, I believe so. You know, what yeah. we are stuck on. And that's why often we wake up after a full night's sleep having a better understanding. One of the reasons why we have a better understanding. It makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, it's all it is all theory, but it's pretty fascinating what can happen when you do, when you do, and I'm doing a butterfly hug, right? When you do passes, yes. like tapping on the shoulders and when you do, because we can also incorporate an EMDR therapy, the, the oral stimulation, like what you're saying, just yeah. back and forth across or, or just the mm-hmm. old, the classic eye movements. And it's pretty incredible. It even really if is. You are, even if you're in a place of distress, doing your own slow eye passes. Um, I, I've yeah. done that. Yeah, I did it last week. It's just really, it can be beneficial in the moment if we're talking. Yeah, no, I've had that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and the cool part with brain spot is you can learn to do what's called self-spotting. And I give this as homework. So we teach them how to use the resource spot and to get grounded once they practice that for a few times and, and to use the music at home. So, and again, we don't tell them to use it with any deep traumas. That's more for in therapy, but to use it for let's say you have a fight with your husband or something happens and you just feel activated so but we're going we're teaching them just to use the grounding on their own as well and just just as a reminder too one thing i forgot to mention was with brain spotting in session it's so important too with a, with a therapist because it's part of that relationship too that helps clients to go deeper it's really hard to do that on your own so having that connection with your therapist is what also helps the process, which I think helps with all therapy too. Once we have that therapeutic relationship, I think it really helps with healing in so many different ways. Attunement is the word. Can you talk a little bit about therapy for therapists? Yes, I can. (laughs) (laughs) And why it would be important. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, it's funny. I just started doing my own group therapy. I've gone going to group for me and it's so weird. <laughs> I've run groups before, but I've had individual therapy, but to actually go to a group, it's just, it feels, and I've never realized, I guess, like how vulnerable it feels. It just, oh my God. So I think that's why it's so important for therapists to get their own work done too. We need to know what it's like to sit in the chair and we got to work through stuff. And you know what I'm finding too? I, I'm 51. It's like, man, I didn't even realize some of the issues that I had deep down from my childhood till I started this process. It's like, wow. 
And sometimes it's not and same for clients. We don't always know, right? Until we start to work with a therapist and work through some of these issues and but it can lead to so much more healing and and make you a better therapist all around. That's the amazing part is being able to to clear out the closet, right? And as part of your self-care, I mean, we hold a lot of space and that that can be heavy if we're not working through things that are bothering us and and but to you as we are how we show up in the room the the therapy room you know there can be things with clients that are difficult so we got to work through some of that too and find a safe space because it's not always easy we don't jive with every client we just it's just the way it is that's the truth that's okay it's okay yeah so sometimes we have a difficult session so we do have to process that and figure out is there counter-transference is there something else going on in this session or with this particular client what do I need to do to resolve this or work through it and and I've done my own personal brain spotting which is so invaluable it's just to be on the other end of that I think brings that empathy piece that you can't have from just providing therapy I think that's why it's so important Chris, you shared earlier that you were a school counselor. Yes. Mm-hmm. What changed your path? Oh, oh yeah. my goodness. Being a school counselor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I, I just want to say the high praises for all the school yeah. counselors out oh there. Goodness. It is a hard job. Now, it wasn't all bad. I um, really enjoyed it. I really, I do miss parts of it. I do miss all the groups I used to do and connections with other staff members and being in person because now I'm all virtual, but um, it was kind of a slow decline for me. I am someone who is not a yes person. So the staff, the administration didn't like that I would challenge them on things. And uh, if I didn't think something was in the best interest of students, then I would speak up and they didn't like that too much. So I was always felt more clinical anyways. They always told us that we couldn't quote unquote do therapy in the school system, even though technically we were providing that. I mean, there were, there were kids that never would have gotten any kind of counseling if it weren't for school counselors. So, and I would see them for the whole school year, basically. And it wasn't 50 minute sessions, but still, it's still the building that therapeutic bond and relationship and still using our therapeutic skills with them. So, so I really wanted to expand more and, and be able to get my licensure so that I could be able to explore my clinical side more and be able to see what that would be like. And, and I just kind of grew from that. And, and I got so tired of the BS and the politicalness of the school system and had a horrible traumatic meeting Uh, at the high school I was at. And these people were so nasty to me, the vice principal and principal, and just, they did not respect counselors. They did not give us any kind of like, oh, you're doing a great job. No, we didn't get any of that. And you know, I just broke down. I was like hysterical calling my, I remember calling my husband at the gas station. I can't do this anymore. And um, he's like, quit now, quit now. <laughs> That's my husband. He's always like, the man, right? Got to quit, do it, do it. So I gutted it out that last year, but it was not easy. And I just, I knew I could do something. And I, I thought, you know, I just eventually wanted to get my own practice and move in that direction. So sometimes you got to get beat down to get pushed in the direction to move forward. So that's what happened to me. Thank you. For, thank you for sharing that. And as soon as you said that your husband 
said, quit now. I, you know, the entirety <laughs> of my time at my previous job, my partner was saying, I don't like it. And it just kept getting louder and louder and louder. And eventually I was like, you know what? I don't think I like this. And he was like, oh, here we are. I hear that. Yeah. He has been through a few times when I had some difficulties in the school system. He was, he came, I remember one time he came to school because I was having such a hard day and he's just like, we can box up your stuff. We're going to leave now. Well, it speaks to how, how often, Yeah, I mean, not only are folks in like a care work position, just pushed, pushed beyond their limits and pushed to do work that they doesn't align with what they find ethically right or just want to do. Oh, so hard. Yeah. 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 And I would, I've literally had what are called 504 meetings um, where we had to do accommodation plans. I was in charge of that in the school system. And I would have to turn kids that were crying away. And that just didn't sit right with me um, because I had to do these meetings and special ed meetings. And uh, yeah, it's so hard to balance that, especially when you're at the core, a therapist, and you want to be there for these students that are in crisis and told that you can't be. Or you set this like, I'm going to quit if, and it's kind of something that you would think is outlandish. And then it like happens the next day and you're like, okay, yes. the next time. The goalposts <laughs> yeah. they keep goalposts moving. <laughs> yeah, goalposts. Oh. Exactly. But I think the the moral of the story is doing what's best for you too, holistically, because I, I was a mess. I mean, I was so anxious and had so many more health issues. My migraines were, I had like three or four a week. I had oh. um, just more sickness. Well, working in the school system too, there's a lot more germs, but I think my immune system was down because I would get all kinds of illness. And, and yeah, so that, that's just a sign too, that it was time to move on. Yeah. And bringing it back to that holistic approach, just like mental health affects your body's functioning yes. just as much as your body's functioning affects your mental health. Like it's interconnectedness yeah. with all of it. Yeah, for sure. When one, one, one is weak, then it affects the others and mm-hmm. out of balance. That's yeah. And I think just listeners just tuning into yourself too, and just paying attention to what, what could be out of balance and what do I need to do differently to address that is so important. It's been such a pleasure and I just yeah. feel more relaxed. Oh, good. Yeah, I know. I'm like, okay. <laughs> sending, so I, sending good vibes. I yeah, I mean, I came into this interview like, Ooh, doing my own breath work. Sarah was a witness <laughs> to it. <laughs> yeah, and as no, usual, like, I just have like oh. an undercurrent of like, <laughs> yes. like subtle rage, but you know, we're doing the best we can. <laughs> doing the best we can, yes. Uh, so yeah. I just appreciate the the time and the energy and also just like, you know, like you said, the vibes that you brought to this interview. It's truly, oh, thank you. You're, the folks that work with you are very fortunate. Oh, awesome. this is my passion. So, and just, can I say one more thing that, yes, this is such a passion for me, but I just want to say it's not just professional. So this is my personal life too. And that's why I say holistic, because this is integrated into my being outside of work. So like this morning I did a yoga class, you know, online and it's just who I am. And I think that for those listening, no matter what you do in your life, you know, if you can just totally integrate that to who you are and have that alignment with what important to you and your values I mean you're gonna feel so much better having that connection right you know usually at the end of our interviews I say well can you give us one last devastating thing and then you didn't even need to ask you so thank you (laughs) I I use my I always tell clients this I use my psychic counselor ability truly I know seriously we do I feel like I've been peeked into it's awesome (laughs) Chris is there anything 
anything that you'd like to plug where people can find you on the internet or yeah my uh podcast website is www.holisticcounselingpodcast. I do have a trauma-informed yoga um, episode, and uh, I'm sorry, my brain is not remembering. If I can send that to you later, yeah, we I'll can send link you it in the show notes. The link, yeah, with Christine Weber. That is one of my most downloaded episodes, so I think listeners Great. would really love that episode. Um, my practice website is pathtohopecounseling.com as well. And, um, I think, yeah. And I'm also on, um, Instagram at holistic counseling podcast. If you want to check me out on there. Awesome. Chris. Well, thank you again for your time and we hope to talk thank to you, you. Again soon. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the show. Be, to, be sure to subscribe, rate and review us on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple podcasts. You can check us out on Instagram at TND pod on Twitter at TNDpod1, as in the number one, or visit our website at tndpodcast.com. You can also visit us at patreon.com slash tndpodcast for a private community, uh, history lessons, some cool extra stuff, and so much more. Uh, you can also email us questions at therapistsnextdoor at gmail.com. And if you'd like to be interviewed on the show, you can find our request form in our Instagram bio. Sarah, is there anything that you would like to plug? Yes, Joanna. The teletherapywithsarah.com store has a new product, the Just Trauma Therapy Tools with an anti-capitalist lens. Check it out. It is $4. It was hard to make. (laughs) Please check it out. It's an awesome tool. Uh, Also, other tools available in the store. Feel free to purchase and share with your community. You know, as we've talked about on the show, I just like to sell things at a price point you know for my labor but i'm happy to just have you know people buy these products and share them with their community so please spread the good word um joanna anything for you to plug it um just check out orianatherapy.com pretty cool place where i hang out where you can find me to ask me things um and uh yeah check out sarah's sore i made my little crab claws that's nice thank you crab 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 yeah like, like little little crabs they're coming to grab coming to grab all the tools we're both doing yeah Yeah. (laughs) thank you for your time until next time we We are are your your therapist therapist next door bye bye